We are one week into college basketball and the 22-23 regular season. And not that we should be surprised, but there have already been some great games all across the country. What will the year bring in the ACC? Well, stay tuned. It all starts right now. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Monday, friends. It is November 14th, 2022. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's Basketball Correspondent at the next. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Hydric and be sure to follow the next at the next hoops and this podcast at LockedOnWBB. All right, it seems as though we have previewed so much the past few weeks, getting us to this point. We have started the regular season. It's been conference breakdowns, and we've dissected the next top 25 preseason poll done by yours truly. I own that one. We all know that. Uh, Today, we are heading east to the Atlantic Coast Conference, the best of the best in the ACC, new coaches, storylines, players to watch, and games to set your DVR for, plus the next predictions and everything in between. I am so excited to be joined today by Mitchell Northam, one of the fantastic journalists that covers the ACC and so much more at the next. And he has a new book out, and we will talk about that before our show is over today. All right, Mitchell, there is so much going on in this league. I think the ACC, when you just look at the numbers sometimes, everybody gets a little washed up in it. But I always feel like the ACC may be if not one of the top league in the nation, probably one of the top two, just by what we look at coming into the season. So talk to me a little bit about what you saw in the preseason coaches poll. Um, The ACC, when they put out their polls at the beginning of the season, they call it the blue ribbon poll. There's a bit of an explanation to that. Um, But what struck you right out of the gate before anybody played a game about what this league was going to have this season? Yeah. So, um, you know, in most years, they usually do a um, a preseason poll and awards for for the Blue Ribbon panel, which is kind of like writers and media and um, some other people who are involved and cover the league. And then they do a separate coaches poll. This year, they kind of rolled it all into one. Um, but yeah, it kind of, um, you know, showed me what, what I thought, which was that this league is going to be pretty wide open this year in terms of you know, who the favorite is. Um, four different teams got first place votes, um, you know, in your predicted order of finish. Um, Louisville with 31, Virginia Tech with 17. They're a team on the rise. Well, the transfers they got. NC State, they're the three-time, you know, reigning champs in this league. Um, they're right there in third place. And then you got Notre Dame, North Carolina, you know, two teams with a lot of history um, who have kind of, you know, risen up under new coaches here recently. Um, and, and I think that's still true. You know, either one of those five teams – I think you could see, you know, um, on top of the end of the season, you know, cutting down the nets in Greensboro at the ACC tournament. Um, Either one of those five teams, you know, maybe all five of them could host 
first round games um, in the NCAA tournament. You could see all five of them in the top 16. Um, I don't know if that's ever happened before. Um, but yeah, I think I think the caliber of this league and the depth of it is really high this year. Um, you know, Miami is right there too. They played in the ACC final last year, um, gave South Carolina a pretty good game in the tournament, and they kind of reloaded with some transfers this offseason as well with the Cavender twins. Um, and then, you know, you got Duke with Carol Lawson right there um, and Georgia Tech uh, coached by the great Nell Fortner. So, yeah, I think this is going to be, um, you know, top to bottom, a pretty good league. I think like last year you could see, you know, eight or nine teams in the NCAA tournament. OK, so when I did my top 25 um, and I looked at teams and I was looking at both what was coming back, obviously, for people, but what they brought in. And we know that the transfer portal reshapes rosters every season that it, you know, from one year to the next, no one is going to look the same. Um, we see people transferring interconference. All of that is happening across the country. But one of the teams that intrigued me the most um, is Notre Dame. And I, I think just because of in Neil Ivy's third year now at Notre Dame and looking at the, you know, the COVID year was kind of that blip because everybody managed that and how they had to deal with it. Right. Last season, we saw some really talented newcomers in what she brought in in that backcourt and some pieces. It seemed to me that Maddie Westbeld needed help. She needed somebody else in the post. That's what they got out of the transfer, out of the portal. And that, to me, kind of set them apart a little bit in maybe answering more questions with what they brought in than other teams having a lot of questions that nobody was really sure about. So talk to me about Notre Dame and tell me your thoughts about what you see with this roster and what the Irish might be able to do this year. Yeah, I think um, Notre Dame is going to be one of those teams that, you know, if we get to Greensboro in the first weekend of March, um, it wouldn't be surprising to see them winning the championship. Um, I, I don't even know if it would be surprising to see them go to the Final Four. I mean, they really have a top to bottom, really, really talented roster this year. Um, you mentioned in the post, you know, yeah, Maddie Westwood is a great player. Last year they brought in Maya Dotson from Stanford, and she was a huge help to them, um, you know, in the post and in the paint, um, especially in terms of rim protection. You know, this year they bring in Kylie Watson from Oregon. They bring in Lauren Ebo from um, Texas. So both of those players, I think, are going to be important to, you know, providing Notre Dame with with some depth in the post and giving them, you know, the rim protection that they'll miss um, now that Dotson is gone. Um, but yeah, I think for me, um, you know, Notre Dame is, they might go as far as, as Olivia Miles takes them. I think Olivia Miles is just, you know, last year as a freshman, you know, second in the nation in assists. Um, yeah. Just a really fun player to watch, a really talented player. Um, and a really smart player, too. Um, I think already this, she's, this season, you know, we're only two games into it, but Notre Dame is 2-0. and oh. They just came off a win over Cal. Um, she's already averaging, you know, eight assists per game or something like that. Um, so I think her development is going to be key, you know, as, you know, like I said, last year was her true freshman season, and she was already yeah. one of the best point guards in the country. You know, can she take that next step? Can she be, you know, the winner of the Lieberman Award? Can she be the best point guard in the country? Um, I think that'll be really key, you know, for Notre Dame. And then, you know, they have a lot of – they have some different veterans kind of around her. I mean, Dara Mabry feels like she's been playing basketball uh, for a while. Now. Yeah, um, I think yes. she's in her fifth year. Um, you know, spent some time at Virginia Tech before she came over to Notre Dame. Um, and they have some other interesting pieces too, you know, uh, Natalia Marshall, um, Sonia Centron. 
KK Bransford, um, you know, yeah, this is a team that, that is, is pretty deep. Um, but I think for me, it starts, it starts with miles. Um, you know, if, if she can kind of take that next step and, and really be, you know, one of the best players in the nation, um, perhaps even, you know, maybe she can win the ACC player of the year award, um, over Elizabeth Kitley or some of the other contenders, um, that would be a big step forward for them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think she is really kind of the engine that makes that group go um, because of not only her ability as a playmaker, but she's got a scores mentality too. You know, I mean, so she picks her opportunities to be able to get points on the board. So she's going to create for other teammates and then be the, when they need it, when they need a shot or they need penetration, she can get to the rim, get foul, get to the free throw line. Though that's that point guard mentality couldn't be, um, probably, you know, mentored by anyone better than someone like an EL Ivy who's got that type of mentality, a score distributor. I think she's one of the best at such an early, early stage of her career. You mentioned Elizabeth Kitely, and that brings me to Virginia Tech. You know, she was the ACC player of the year a year ago. Um, there were some pieces around her. Everyone kind of thought, well, what would be what would be the difference maker maybe to help take some of that pressure off of a player of her caliber? We know that she's a great scorer. She's a rim protector. She does so many things. She rebounds the basketball. I mean, one of a few kids in the entire nation last year to average a double-double, I believe. But it seems to me that the transfer portal, again, might have been one of the best gifts for this Virginia Tech team and what Kenny Brooks is wanting to do there this could be their chance to take it to the next level for 22-23. Yeah, the roster that they have this year, um, <clears throat> you know, I ranked them as as number one, well, the highest ranked ACC team in my um, preseason AP pool, just because when you look at all the talent on that roster, on paper anyways, of course, we still kind of have to see how it's all going to mesh together. Yeah. Um, when you talk about, you know, bringing back um, Elizabeth Kitley, you know, preseason ACC player of the year, a really good point guard in Georgia Amor, who kind of took a step last year in the ACC tournament, I thought. Um, and then some other pieces, um, you know, and then they bring in uh, Taylor Soul from Boston College and they bring in Ashley Wusu uh, from Maryland, who was an All-American, uh, you know, not that long ago and, and the winner of the Drysdale Award. Um, you know, I, I think you saw it on Monday in their season opening game where, you know, those top four are – you know, can can command a double team at any time. And then yeah. people kind of forget about Kayla King, um, who is a great catch and shoot scorer, as she showed yeah. in that game uh, on Monday, their season opening win. She makes nine three pointers and puts up, you know, 32 points. Um, really, really impressive. Yeah. So they're going to be a team, um, you know, they have Kitley, uh, but they also have all the other pieces around her. So, yeah, the challenge for Kenny Brooks is going to be, you know, making all those pieces fit. When I talked to him and Georgia Amor at ACC Media Day, um, they just couldn't stop raving about uh, Ashley Wusu. And I think she's going to be a big help to them in terms of, you know, you add another ball handler, you add another person who can, you know, command a double team, another person who can carry your offense on any night. You know, that was kind of their thing last year. You know, if Kitley had an off night or was really just kind of getting beat up down there in the post, they didn't have – um, that person who was, you know, ready to step up, you know, Asia Shepard, you know, was, could be that player on some nights, um, you know, a great scorer, but wasn't kind of the inside outside threat that Wusu is, I think. 
No, I agree with you. And that's what you need. You need multiple options. And when you've got such a dominant post player, you're absolutely right. She can get beat up. She can have an off night. She gets in foul trouble. There's got to be another option for Virginia Tech. I think now that depth really adds a little bit more, makes them way more competitive and a matchup problem. That's the other thing. A player like Awosu, what she brings, those are matchup issues. And we see that top to bottom in the ACC, very different kind of diversified rosters. And I think that helps people. It makes it really tough when they get in league play, but that's why they can be dominant in non-con. All right. So in just a minute, we're going to talk new coaches in the ACC, some more storylines, some more of those players to watch and what many say and what we're talking about here might be one of the top, if not the top league in the nation right now. But first, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you've got to check LinkedIn Check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and free. We all know that it happens to everybody out there. You have your profile on LinkedIn and all of a sudden you get a message and the connection happens and that's where good things occur for folks out there in that job search. So you've got to be able to go to LinkedIn Jobs, then you add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you'd like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires and leading competitors. Call LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Mitchell Northam, here we are, my friend, um, talking ACC women's basketball. We've talked about a couple of the teams. We've talked about who sits at the top of that pole. But there's also some new faces on the sideline in this league. And I think that's, you know, it happens all over the country. We're going to see that. But I think it's also intriguing when you look at the new coaches that are part of this league and maybe some mm-hmm. of the reasons why they're there. We know some are in a rebuild. Um, but we've also got a change at Florida State which is a, a not maybe necessarily it's not a, a carte blanche change that happens a lot in coaching searches and when someone retires, but Sue Semero steps down at Florida State and now Brooke Wyckoff takes over. And this is a Seminole team, again, a little bit in the rebuild. You got to use the portal. You got to find it. But is Brooke Wyckoff going to be the person that's going to kind of continue to elevate this program and that success factor that they've had moving forward? Yeah, I think, um, you know, eventually I think Florida State is going to kind of get back on track and, you know, where they were under under Sue Semerow. I think this season might be kind of tough um, just considering, you know, Florida State lost a handful of players in the transfer portal, um, a handful of starters, you know, two other ACC teams. Um, Morgan Jones was our leading scorer last year. She's at Louisville now. 
River Baldwin was a you know a good contributor in the post. Mm-hmm. I think she started about 18 games. She's at NC State now. Um, yeah. You know, Florida State came into this season with just 10 players on their roster. Um, so if an injury or two happens here or there, they could be in kind of some serious trouble. Um, the player I think that's most interesting for me um, there so far has been uh, Tania Latson, um, who's a freshman but has made a real impression um, in their first three games. She's already averaging, you know, 27 points a game. Um, so she's been really impressive. Um, so, you know, this season I think it's going to come down to can these young players kind of step up and, mm-hmm. and kind of keep Florida State going. I think they have a pretty long streak of making the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to continue this year just because there's some teams ahead of them, I think, that are, that are a lot more deeper and a lot more talented. Um, but Brooke is a good coach. You know, we saw that in, you know, the interim year in the COVID season when uh, Sue took the year off to be with her right. mom. Um, you know, Brooke took them to the NCAA tournament and they were still, you know, a formidable team. So, yeah, I think it was a no brainer kind of um, for her to just step back in when when Sue um, decided to officially retire. And I think that's part of, you know, it's going to happen in every coaching change and transition. I think this is maybe not, like we said, not wholesale change, but it is more transition time. And when you have a young roster, then that is also going to be a year of kind of finding your footing, putting your stamp on it, what you want it to look like. The You know, things are going to be different, but maybe not wholesale different. Uh, but there is a lot of history and a lot of tradition at Florida State within their women's basketball program. And I know the expectations are high there. I think the expectations are also high at a couple other institutions where we saw changes at Syracuse and Wake Forest and at uh, Virginia. You know, coaches are coming into situations where I would look at probably those three schools as those are the real rebuilds that those coaches are having to attack. Yeah, um, Syracuse is one that that interested me right away because, you know, we've seen this a couple times recently in college football where because the transfer portal, when you hire, you know, a new coach who, you know, comes from another school, um, you can bring some of those players with you. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's what uh, Felicia Leggett-Jack did um, at Syracuse. She brought three of her top four scorers from Buffalo um, over Syracuse. Um, one of them is Diasia Fair, who is probably going to be a WNBA player at some point. Um, you know, yeah. really tore it up at Buffalo, was consistently one of the nation's leading scorers. So I don't think there's any question that, you know, she can play in the ACC. Um, I think I think what we're um, waiting to see is kind of how all the other pieces fit um, mm-hmm. and how Felicia, like Jack, kind of establishes her, her culture right away. Um, you know, I talked to her a little bit at ACC Media Day and um, was just really impressed by, you know, her approach. Um, she told the story about, you know, because of everything that happened with Quentin Hillsman in the summer of 2021, and then they had an interim coach for a year. You know, the yeah. players at Syracuse didn't see the light on in the head coach's office for a whole year. Um, and, you know, so she kind of used this metaphor of like the light is always on, you know, while I'm at Syracuse, I have an open door policy with all my players. Um, that's yeah. something that some of these players haven't had before with a head coach. Um, so I really think they're going through some real kind of wholesale changes and culture changes there. Um, they did bring back Tisha Hyman from last year's team. She's, I think, one of the best perimeter defenders in the ACC. So Syracuse is going to be pretty interesting. Um, and Virginia is another place where, excuse me, Coach Mox, um, you know, brought in a lot of different faces to sort of yes. rebuild um, that roster. You know, Sam Bruno was a key one from 
from Notre Dame, but she's from that area of Virginia, you know, comes back home. She's played pretty well so far. They also have Mir McLean, who came over from UConn last year. She's back with the team this year. So I think the the future is bright for Virginia. They're another program that has a really, um, you know, storied history of success in women's college basketball that, um, you know, the program didn't quite live up to under Tina Thompson, to put it lightly. Right. Um, so, yeah, the you know, those two, Virginia and Syracuse, I, I think those are the, the two programs in the ACC this year going through the most change. Um, yes. New players, new coaches, new culture, new everything. Um, and, and so far, so good, you know, from those two teams. Um, Wake Forest, that was one, you know, that that coaching change was kind of surprising. It came pretty late in the cycle. Yes, um, I think very Wake, late. Wake decided to fire Jen Hoover, who was an alum and had been there for, you know, a decade plus. Um, I think that was in like mid, the middle of May. Um, they go out and they get Megan Jebbia from, from American, who, you know, had done really well in, in uh, the Patriot League conference there. But the Patriot to the ACC, that's that's a big jump. Um, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, that's, so, that's, that's not something you do lightly. Let's put it yeah. that way. And, and because Wake made this change so late in the process, I don't think she was really able to do what um, Syracuse and Virginia were in kind of rebuilding their rosters in April, you know, utilizing that transfer portal. I think by the time she's hired and, and gets settled, you know, a, a lot of play, a lot of people, you know, players looking to transfer, they had already kind of made their decisions, but she still has Jules Spear, who was the ACC's leading scorer last year. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think all of those programs, again, at different stages, different points, but hopefully finding coaches that those coming into those institutions that, as you said, they put their stamp on it. They create a culture, one of which players are going to want to be there where they feel welcome and that it's a good fit. I think those are I think those three coaches really might be very good fits for those schools to help them rebuild. Okay, one thing I want to ask you about before we go to our next break, and then we're going to talk about um, games to watch, your predictions, all of the above. But the ACC, I mean, it's got so much history, so much tradition to it, and I love the triangle tradition. So when we start talking now about NC State, North Carolina, and Duke – you know, we can talk about the trial triangle all day on the men's side, but I feel like sometimes this triangle gets a little lost in translation when we start talking about women's basketball. But you're talking about three darn good women's basketball teams this year, and all of which have an opportunity, I think, to compete for top spots in this league, maybe win the darn thing, and will absolutely be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, um, I think last year, you know, I've lived in North Carolina for a couple of years now. Last year was kind of really the first time that I saw sort of the media around here um, really, really start to pay attention to and get involved with women's college basketball. I think part of that was because NC State was so good. You know, they yeah. were a top 10 team all season, obviously won the conference again, um, made that run to the Elite Eight. You know, there's a lot of sports talk radio shows around here, you know, talking about you know, how they had to go to UConn and, and all that stuff, um, you know, and then North Carolina kind of comes, you know, later on in the season, they get that win over Louisville at home. They make the NCAA tournament and do pretty well there going to the Sweet 16. Um, and then I think a lot of people are just interested in Duke because Carol Lawson is such a big name. Right. Um, the last year it didn't come quite together. So she kind of reloaded and reshifted a bit and they have a bunch of new transfers too. 
Um, so yeah, I think I think this year I'm hoping to see that that'll continue. Um, you know, Courtney Banghart made a comment at ACC Media Day. She made, uh, you know, she's been known recently here to kind of make some waves and and throw some jabs a little bit towards <laughs> NC State's way. Um, you know, made a comment about their small arena, said some things about their fans not being too nice. Um, and, you know, I think most recently she kind of caught some fire for that. It was in August. Um, and all the all the sports talk radio shows around here talked about that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the first time that I've heard, you know, people around here talking about women's college basketball in August. Um, that's just not something that has happened before. So, she, you know, she made a comment. She's like, you know, sometimes, you know, to get people talking about this, I, I'm willing to take a bullet, um, so to speak. And, you know, before she made those comments, those games weren't on national TV. You know, her games against NC State and Duke, and now they are. Um, right. So, you know, it, it works. Um, so I think the more coverage, the merrier, um, if we can get people talking about these three great programs here in the Triangle. Absolutely. And the Tobacco <clears throat> Road, there's a lot of action to be had, and there will be some fantastic games throughout the season. Okay, so in just a moment, we're going to talk what games to set your DVR for and all of Mitchell's breakdowns and his predictions as well. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we have got it all on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. I live in a state where now sports wagering is legal, so you're going to have a hard time finding somebody who is not on their phone, especially on a Saturday or Sunday when we're talking college football and NFL football on Sundays. It is busy, and they are running up those numbers, so always go check out Bet Online. Head to the website today and use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, before we talk a few games that I want everybody to set their DVR for, Mitchell, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about and uh, the Louisville Cardinals and what Jeff Walls continues to do there. I had the pleasure of seeing them in person last year at the Wichita Regional, uh, where they made their got you know finally punched their ticket to get to the Final Four. This team looks different than it did a year ago, but. One thing that I've always appreciated from Jeff Walls is his ability to look at the transfer portal, not necessarily as just, oh my gosh, what can you get out of this? Who wants to come? Who wants to come? Is I need to find the right fit. I need to find the right people and the right players who buy into what their role is going to be. It might not be what their role was at their previous institution, but are they ready to come in here and be part of a unit and a team <laughs> And then really good things can happen. Did it a year ago. Can they re can they kind of find that same magic again this season? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, they had a close call the other day with Belmont on Sunday. Yes. Um, you know, I wrote, I think in my preview, the one kind of big question I had was, you know, how much is this Louisville team going to miss Emily Engsler? You know, you mentioned when Walls goes into the transfer portal, he, yeah, he looks for key things. He looks for what do I need? How does this person fit? And more times than not, um, he gets the right fit. And the people that come into his program, um, the players that transfer in, they they add something to the team. They perform in a big way. You know, Emily Engsler was one of the best defenders in the country last year. Yeah. And I think made up for a lot of, um, 
deficiencies at times that Louisville as a team had um, because of her versatility, not only as a defender, but also as a leader. Um, and she can score inside and out and was a great rebounder. Um, you know, so she's gone. So they bring in, you know, Morgan Jones. Um, they bring in Chrislyn Carr from Syracuse. They bring in a couple other pieces. Um, so I think right now they're still trying to figure out how all that fits together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the key for Louisville this year is going to be can Haley Van Lith continue to build on what she did last year in the NCAA tournament where she was, you know, averaging more than 20 points per game, um, you know, playing pretty well against South Carolina, you know, in that, in that final four matchup, you know, if Haley Van Lith can, can maybe take another leap and be someone who's contending for the player of the year award um, in in this league Mm -hmm. can kind of be, you know, the Dana Evans that, that Louisville had a couple of years ago. Um, I think that's going to be really important to Louisville, you know, maybe staying on top in this league. I think there's no question that, you know, they're an NCAA tournament team, um, yeah. but can they be a final four team again? Can they win the ACC tournament? Um, those are things that we'll figure out. Um, and they, they have a couple, you know, tough non-conference matchups. I know you wanted to get to some games to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they have a couple of tough ones that, that we're going to find out. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And you mentioned the Belmont game, which was yesterday um, on Sunday the 13th. And I love Belmont. They, I mean, I circle them in every single thing I can when we start talking mid-majors. Now they're in the Missouri Valley, pick to win that league. If anybody thinks that Belmont's going to come into your house or you're going to go in theirs and it's going to be a walkover, um, best of luck. I, I Godspeed, because that's not going to necessarily happen. So I wasn't surprised that that game went down to the wire. But again, it goes back to what you said. This is also still a Louisville squad. I think they're trying to find their footing, figure out who they are. Um, and that happens for everybody. We're just two weeks, you know, we're a week and a few days in. I mean, God only knows. Nobody's got it all together yet. Well, maybe except for South Carolina, but <laughs> that's a whole nother story. All right. Now, the first ACC regular season game actually was yesterday. That was Wake Forest at Virginia. We talked about those two programs. Virginia gets the win. But talk to me a few about some games that are standing out to you, ones that people should be watching for, uh, whether it's a non-con or conference games, because as we know, everybody in this league, they step up and they schedule. They're not afraid to do it. So what do some of these big matchups look like coming down the pike? Yeah, I think in the non-conference slate, um, you know, the one that is the most interesting to me is Virginia Tech at Tennessee. I think that's the first weekend in December, first or second weekend. Um, somebody will have to check my dates on that. Um, but, uh, you know, Virginia Tech hosted Tennessee last year, and that game was close until about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then Tamari, he just kind of took over and didn't let Elizabeth Kitley get anything. As we talked about before, Virginia Tech has kind of reloaded, got some different weapons. Um, Tennessee is yeah, they look different and creates matchup problems for Tennessee, I think, now more than just a one, you know, not just a one woman show. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And Tennessee, you know, they have some new pieces as well. Um, You know, they lost that tough game to Ohio State this past week. Um, So that is a game, I think, for Virginia Tech, that's going to be a good kind of barometer of where they're at. They'll have, you know, a month under their belt at that point of the new pieces kind of integrating in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how Virginia Tech plays in that game in a tough road environment in Knoxville. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now, when we talk about regular season games within the ACC, obviously you can start circling kind of all of the quote unquote rivalry games, you know, whether that's Duke at North Carolina, NC State at Louisville, North Carolina at NC State. Um, But 
I think a couple difficult places that it's going to be for anybody to go this year is going to be going on the road to Notre Dame, going to Louisville. And then you also got to look at a place like you said, is it Miami, Florida State? Play, those things are not necessarily the easiest places to go in and play. And with such a huge conference schedule slate that these teams have, there's really a hard, there's not a lot of times when you can take a night off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's a couple, um, yeah, that you mentioned, you know, tough road environments. Um, when I talked to Haley Van Lith at ACC Media Day, uh, she mentioned that, you know, NC State was a really tough place for them to play last year. And, you know, they had a big lead going into the fourth quarter, and then things sort of fell apart, and Shakia Brown-Turner and Diamond Johnson took over, and, and NC State won big. Um, so, you know, not Louisville at NC State this year, but I'm curious about Notre Dame at NC State this year. You know, we talked about all the expectations from Notre Dame. You know, NC State looks a lot different this year. They yep. they lost those four starters, but they're still expected to, you know, compete at a high level. Um, so that's January 29th. That's a Sunday game. Um, that's a game I expect Reynolds Coliseum to be sold out for. You know, that's that's probably going to be, you know, two teams ranked in the top 15. That, that place is going to be rocking. Um, the other game that that I really think could could be a fun one is North Carolina at Louisville, and that's on um, Sunday, February fifth. Um, you know, la- I talked about earlier. You know, North Carolina really got rolling last year when they upset Louisville, who I think was ranked number two at the time at home last season. Mm-hmm. So this is the only meeting between UNC and Louisville in the regular season. Um, they have two really good junior guards, you know, Deja Kelly and Haley Van Lith kind of going one-on-one with each other. Um, I think that game is going to be a lot of fun. No, I think there's going to be so many, and it's hard to pick just a few. And obviously mm-hmm. it all will culminate. You, you, we're going to get a regular season champ, but then they're all going to go to Greensboro March 1st through the 5th. Mm-hmm. That'll be the ACC tournament. All right. Now, if for everybody that's out there, I want everyone to make sure you go to go to the nexthoops.com. You're going to see Mitchell's ACC previews. You're also going to see some of his sights and sounds columns that are going to come out throughout the course of the season that's going to keep you up to date on everything about the ACC. <clears throat> when you broke all of this down, sir, tell me when to make a prediction, who sits atop Mitchell's prediction for the ACC in 22-23? Yeah, um, you know, I didn't make a uh, make it a prediction in that in that preview post of who the ACC champion will be, um, but I feel really good about Virginia Tech. I just think there's, I just think they have so much talent, and yeah. I, I believe in Kenny Brooks's ability to coach, um, and I just think they're they're hungry for something like that. Um, you know, Elizabeth Kitley has had to watch, you know, her. You know, one of her uh, friends from from childhood, Elisa Cunane, you know, when winning Greensboro, where they're both kind of from nearby, you know, win the past couple of years. Um, and Elizabeth Kitley got knocked out of the ACC tournament last year. So I think she's going to be hungry, you know, coming in there in March. Um, and I think they just have so much talent on paper um, that eventually it's all going to come together. And they're going to be a really tough out once we get into not only ACC tournament play, but NCAA tournament play. Now, I think hungry, motivated, talented, good coaching, that's quite a, that's a really good combination, I think, for anybody that's looking to, um, if, you, if you want to, quote, unquote, put your money on something, that might be one where people might be looking at in the future. All right. Now, the other thing everybody needs to know, not only in covering women's basketball in the way he does, but Mitchell wrote a book. And so I want you tell me about tell me about your book. Tell everybody about um, the the process for you and what this journey was like and having it published. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so the book is called High School Basketball on Maryland's Eastern Shore, a shore hoops history. I'm from the Eastern Shore of Maryland, grew up there, went to college there, got my first job there, um, and, you know, covered a lot of high school ball there. And um, I always thought, you know, listen to all these coaches and players talk over the years. I always thought, like, it could always be a book, you know, if you put everything, you know, together. Um, you know, nobody had ever written anything like that. You know, if you wanted to kind of get a sense of the history of the place, you basically had to do what I did, which was um, do two years worth of research and talk to 60 some people um, and, you know, look up some yearbooks and go on to newspapers.com and spend a lot of time. Um, so, yeah, it was really, um, really hard process, um, but really rewarding at the end, you know, to finally see it out there. Yeah, it took me about two years to get done. Um, I had a publisher I was working with at first, then things kind of, you know, we ended up going our separate ways um, and I ended up self-publishing it through Amazon. Um, it's been out since May, I think. Yeah. Okay. May. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Um, I think you can also find it at uh, one of the indie bookshops online. Um, you know, if you want to support your local bookstore. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it took me a while to do, you know, but for the fans of women's basketball, there's a lot of, women's basketball stories in there. You know, I, I spent a chapter writing about Gail, <clears throat> Gail Tatterson Gladding, um, who played in the WBL, um, which was kind of the WNBA before its time there in the yeah. late, late 70s, early 80s. Um, she was our first professional basketball player from the Eastern Shore um, and was a great player in the WBL, you know, um, made an all-star team and, and all that good stuff. Then she came back to the shore and she was a great high school coach for a long time. Um, I also talked with Tia Jackson. Um, she played at Iowa, led them to a Final Four, and now she's an assistant coach at Duke. Um, she's yeah. one of our great high school players from there. And then uh, Kelly Gibson, who played at Maryland, um, was a great player there, and then went on and was, uh, you know, a reserve kind of bench player for the Houston Comets for those teams that, that won a couple championships in a row. Um, so, yeah, it was really, like I said, you know, really tough process, um, but rewarding to kind of see it out there and see the reception it's getting. Well, it's amazing. And that's exactly what has to happen, you know, in order for the game to grow. But also we have to respect the past and the history of it. And I think that's what's such an amazing piece of this. And um, FYI, everyone, the holidays are coming. So go to Amazon.com, get to BarnesandNoble.com, find Mitchell's book, because it would be an awesome stocking stuffer for all of our women's basketball fans out there. All right, sir. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Tell everybody where they find you on a daily basis. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Primetime Mitch. Um, in my bio, you can find the link for the book there. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm doing some work. Uh, my day job is at North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, where I'm a digital producer. And then I'm doing a lot of work covering women's college basketball for the next and the Associated Press and some other outlets. Fantastic. Well, he's got everybody covered, ladies and gentlemen, in the ACC. We will not miss a beat all season long. We're going to do this again as the season goes on because I know the storylines are going to change. The teams are going to look a little bit different as they go, and we're going to see a lot of great basketball in the Atlantic Coast Conference. You can find me at Missy Hydric on Twitter. And then again, make sure to follow Mitchell as well as all of my amazing colleagues at The Next Hoops and this podcast at Locked on women's basketball. Please join me here on Mondays. We talk everything college hoops, everything about college athletics, and come back all this week for more episodes, college basketball news and notes, 
international basketball highlights and actions, the moves across the WNBA. There's been head coaching changes. It all breaks. We've got you covered at Locked On Women's Basketball. Thank you for making this podcast, Locked On Women's Basketball, your first listen. For your next listen, check out all the Locked On Sports. Check everything out at Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time. But don't forget, we've got you covered all week right here at Locked On Women's Basketball.